0: KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru.
1: Aloha, welcome to the Island Wave takeover of Radioactive as we celebrate AAPI month. What's that? Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. I am Kamile Tripp Harris, and coming up, you're going to hear some conversations with Susie Felch Malohifo of the Pacific Island Knowledge to Action Resources and I that we've had this week, including with the director and star of Sosefina, a new movie premiering tonight, plus the Masima Film Tour that kicks off Friday, May 20th, with an exciting lineup that highlights both acclaimed filmmakers and emerging voices from the Pacific Island community. Joining me now for rallies and resources is KRCL's Laura Jones. Hey Kamile.
2: Aloha. So good to have you back in the studio. You were one of our podcast pilots years back. That's right. So before I have a couple of events that I want to shout out and any that you would like to as well. Tell us what's up with the Island Wave podcast and where people can find it.
1: Well, we're on a hiatus, but we are on Podbean. Right now, a lot of people are reaching out to me to teach them podcasting because the word is out.
2: It's a great way for us underserved to be served. (laughs) That's fantastic. And uh, the city library, I think even the county library, has podcasting tools. That's right. But through
1: COVID, I learned Zoom recordings work too. I know, right?
2: <laughs> Make sure you click that button that says record each participant as a separate track. You get even more control over your audio, everybody. But Kamile, how can people catch up with you and get some coaching? Oh, well, if you'll just join me on Facebook, Kamile Trip, T-R-I-P-P. That's where I am. We will put a link in the show notes. Okay, rallies and resources is something we curate here at Radioactive. It's at krcl.org under the Community Affairs tab. And you just click on Rallies and Resources. And I thought I'd choose an event that is, well, you're going to talk about a bunch coming up. But there is also, as part of Living Traditions, there is A-A-N-H-P-I. N-H standing for? Native Hawaiian. And it's a, uh, a rally at 6 o'clock on Friday, May 20th at Washington Square on the West Steps. So facing State Street. And there's going to be food trucks and all sorts of things going on. Uh, alongside there will be the living traditions. There will be dancing. <laughs> A lot of dancing. Okay. I was looking at the speaker lineup, though, and I was thinking maybe you and your your guest who's joining us, Jakey Sciolo. Hey, Jakey. Yes, Jake e. hey, Jakey. E. Hi, how are you? You could talk about some of these folks. We've got for MCs of this rally on May 20th, Floyd Morey, former California State Assemblyman, and Jani Iwamoto, Assistant Minority Whip at the Utah State Senate District 4. Performances from Golden Hour and also Ogden Tycho. And speakers, including from government officials throughout Salt Lake County, like Ofa Matangi, and you were telling me that G has a bit of an N sound. There you yes. go. Salt Lake County Planning Commissioner and Chair of the Democratic AAPI Caucus, Access and Equity Associate for Utah Clean Energy, Hannah Rex, Francine, and Monta. I'm I'm sorry in advance, Francine, for what I'm about to do. Malie Tulua advisor for Pacific Islander Student Association at the U of U, and then Sui Leng Pinoke, Senior Vice President for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Zions Bank, will be headlining the rally. Thanks, Laura. Now to wrap up
1: our rallies and resources, I'm now joined by PICTAR's Jakey Sciolo. Aloha, Jakey. Talofa. Talofa. But you also work for the Utah Pride Center, and you are director for the Nua Nua Collective. Tell that us about correct. those.
3: Um, so I am a part-time community healthcare worker at the Utah Pride Center. Um, I'm connecting LGBTQ humans to resources that are LGBTQ specific, sending them to doctors, physicians that won't misgender them, finding them spaces that they can get um, therapy, healing, also all sorts of stuff. Um, and then I am the director of the Nua Nua Collective. Um, Nua Nua means rainbow in Samoan. Um, and that is our queer or LGBTQ support group for Pacific Islanders here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, we meet the first and third week every month. Um, lots of going on. <laughs>
1: how, how do people get involved with the Nua Collective?
3: You can find us on Instagram at Nuanua.collective um, or you can find us on Facebook as well, um, Nuanua Collective. And right now, currently, um, if you haven't checked out Under the Umbrella Bookstore, which is the first LGBTQ bookstore here in Utah, um, for AAPI month, Nua Nua was chosen as a beneficiary. So we curated and picked books that we found relatable that are about queer Polynesians. And so if you go in there, support small businesses, you'll also be supporting us.
1: That's wonderful. Thanks, Jakey. Now, you are a case manager with the Pacific Island Knowledge to Action Resources, and you work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. People can call you for resources. What kind of resources are people calling you for that they can...
3: Anything and all. Um, (laughs) If I don't have the resource, we find it. Um, That's kind of our motto. Um, But primarily, I work with survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault, um, but we also do help people flee... Those kind of situations. Um, so, we walk them through the steps of safety planning, resources, domestic violence shelters they can reach out to. With the pandemic currently still here um, and folks being um, having a lot of loss financially, emotionally, physically, um, we are doing rental assistance. Um, so, you can reach out to chwpictar.org and we are more than happy to help anybody um, qualify for a rental assistance. Um, and we help with food, social. We have peer-to-peer support groups for women, for men, um, for non-binary. Um, we try to be fully inclusive at PICTAR. And yeah, I, speaking I of inclusive, <laughs> you
1: do not have to be a Pacific Islander to use your resources.
3: Yes, um, I know last year we serviced just as many Pacific Islanders as we did. Caucasians, Latinx, um, the black community. Um, so we don't turn anybody away from the resources we have.
1: That's wonderful, Jakey. Now, you also do an element of advocating for our community. Can you tell us more about that? You've been up at the Capitol talking to our legislatures.
3: Yeah, I love to show up in any space (laughs) and make uh, (laughs) voices heard, make Pacific Islander voices heard. I think we aren't really prone to go into those spaces. And so I want to kind of break that barrier for people so that they see I do it, they can do it. Um, I love to go to city council meetings. Um, That's one way I can take my advocacy further. Um, I can't just connect people to resources, but I really want to help create legislation and get my legislators to propose bills that are ultimately going to impact NHPIs here in the state.
1: Yeah, recently you gave testimony of the housing situation in Salt Lake City. Can you tell us more about that?
3: Yeah, I think... Um, Just this last week, I had three or four families that were displaced Um, since I've been at PICTAR. Probably about upwards of 30 families, all Pacific Islander, that have been displaced, outpriced by rent, um, or evicted due to domestic violence. So there's so much work to do, and so that's why I feel like it's so important to go to city council meetings, go to commission planning meetings, go to the Hill, um, and kind of demand basic human rights which is housing Amen. for my people <laughs>
1: word speaking of basic human rights let's talk about the edi aspect of your work and when you're connecting people to resources there's a little bit of an element of distrust from the community that's why community health workers do their job so can you tell us more about that how do you build connections and bridges in your community so that our community knows that there's somebody with them and they're not alone
3: I think the first thing that helps the most is that I look like them or the people that have these resources and connections look like the community. And so they're more willing to approach them, willing to take them, Um, but really meeting people where they're at. So if they're in a domestic violence situation, I will walk them through all the steps to keep them safe. Um, but I'm never going to tell them what to do. Um, Any community member that comes and reaches out for help, the ultimate goal is to, not for me to empower them, but for them to empower themselves. Um, And so I love to meet community members at coffee shops or concerts, events, really getting to know them, I think, is the best way to build bridges, getting to know your neighbors.
1: (laughs) Amen. I love that. And such great places to socialize. We got a lot of those (laughs) fun places. So where do you go at Coffee Shop?
3: I love Sugar House Coffee. Ah, Um, They're very inclusive. They're Um, doing
1: an event there, right? Like a... I just saw you post about it. Anyway, we can follow JP on (laughs) Facebook and he can point you to all the exciting things and step. So let's talk about self-care as a community health worker. We need self-care. Yes. And so tell everybody what you do for your (laughs) self-care.
3: I am obsessed with a program called Extreme Hip Hop Step. Um, You can find it it at any VASA EOS within the valley, even in Davis County, St. George. Um, I go to Trolley Square at 9 a.m. every day. Um, You can follow Tony.Fa on Instagram. He's the instructor that does it there. Um, But it's a workout, a program that has really gotten Pacific Islanders up, moving. Um, It's a safe space. There's all sorts of body sizes, different. There's children, there's elders, there's aunties. And it's just a space to get all that stress out and... Be healthy. Yeah,
1: community <laughs> resilience means being healthy and being active. Yes. So that's great. Do you still um, do your Sunday job?
3: I do for now. <laughs> Can we talk uh, about that? When yeah, you, I mean, where, I, do you,
1: where do you work on Sundays?
3: Uh, so I serve brunch at Cafe Niche Sunday mornings. Um, it's either I'm sleeping all day Sunday or I might as well make some brunch money. <laughs> um, but I have a lot of. Trips coming up. Uh, we're going to D.C. for the National AAPI That's Conference. Right. You guys are
1: doing a bake sale.
3: Yeah, we're doing a bake sale that ends tomorrow. Um, we're selling guava cakes, chocolate chip cookies, mm. um, and banana bread. <laughs> oh, so, yes.
1: How do people find out about that? Yeah,
3: so you can follow me <laughs> <laughs> um, on Facebook. It's Jakey Sciolo. Um, Or you can also find me on Instagram at Boy. S-I-O-L-O-B-O-Y, and, and you, all the details are there.
1: Yeah, and you were just decorated for your work in victims' advocacy. Can you tell us about that?
3: Yeah, I was just awarded um, for the state of Utah, the action, Advocacy and Action Award from the governor and from the office of, uh, the Office for Victims of Crime.
1: Thank you so much. Real fast, why is representation important to you?
3: Why isn't it important? <laughs> is my question. I think it does so much to see people like you doing things that you wanted to do. Um, I am a out proud queer man who's also Samoan. I'm a big dude. I have bleached hair. I have my nails done, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that can do so much for you know someone younger than me who is LGBTQ as well, and for them to see me in places that I normally shouldn't be is very empowering.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, part of being a resilient community is having your own identity and being proud of it. Right. So thanks, Jakey. Of course. Thanks for being here tonight and enjoy the, sh- the film, <laughs> Sosefina you. at the mall tonight. And uh, thank you, Laura. Yeah. You have been a great mentor to me in
2: my journey in communication. It's you been taught me everything I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned Sofina and we're going to talk about that movie coming up. It's making its premiere. And if you stick around, folks, you're going to find out how you can get an online pass as well. But I know you picked some very specific songs, and I have a new artist I'm in love with. Yes. Who is this, and what's the song? Uh, Tanil? Uh, Susie picked this song. It's My
1: Heartbeats For You. She's finalist at the American Song Contest. From New Zealand? That's right. Uh, And she is Tongan, I believe, though. There we
3: go. Yeah, she was representing American Samoa.
2: Right? Oh. Right on. Sorry. (laughs) No, you're good. (laughs) I
3: I don't watch that show.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is a takeover
1: of Radioactive by Kamile and Susie, the Island Wave Podcast.
2: On KRCL.
0: KRCL would like to thank all the volunteers who came down and helped out during Spring Radiothon. Thanks to Andy and Ann and Brian and Chip and David and Joe and John. And also thanks to the Boxcar Studios and Rock Camp SLC for sending down help. We couldn't do it without you. If you missed out on Spring Radiothon, it's never too late. Donate now at krcl.org. Thanks. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller's Subaru and their Love's Diversity Initiative. Mark Miller Subaru is a proud community partner of Project Rainbow, spreading love together this Utah Pride Month. Learn more at projectrainbowutah.org or markmillersubaru.com.
1: Welcome to the Island Wave takeover of KRCL 90.9 Radioactive. Uh, Our guest is Lauren Toomalatai. How are you, Lauren? Doing good. How are you, Kamala? Good, and I'm here with my co host, Susie Felt Malohifolo. Fo'o. Malo Lele. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. And Lauren, you are the director for the Utah Pacific Island Film Series. Yes, I am. <laughs> Tell me, how long has the Pacific Island Film Series uh, been around? Um, I think since 2015, right, Susie?
4: Yeah, I think we started it um, like officially, we became a 501C3 in 2015, but I think we've been showing films a little bit earlier than that.
5: Yeah, yeah, I think it started as like um, during Utah Pacific Island Heritage Month, uh, just to showcase the films throughout the, throughout that month celebrations. And then it um, through Sam Owens, it became this program under PICTAR. And uh, I started volunteering with them in 2016 and uh, became director in
1: 2019. Awesome, what a great journey. And I love the fact that we can bring Pacific Island film to Utah, to our state where there are so many of us. Um, And especially this year, I think, because I had the wonderful opportunity, thanks to you, to uh, moderate the film panels last year and this year. And this year, I've like we've got films coming from Micronesia, Fiji, um, well, so the Mariana Islands. You know, we I say Micronesia, but it's the Guam and the Northern Mariana Islands, and then Hawaii, of course, <laughs> and Tonka. But they tackle our social issues. They provide a, you know, a connection. I think to our. Uh, you know our origins is that what was intended through the film festival
5: yeah so uh we named it Masima because it's the Samoan and Tongan word for salt and since it's taking place in Salt Lake City it just makes sense and then also just you know the salt of the ocean I mean we all come from Oceania so Mm -hmm. just that just connecting us through the water and also the stories that we tell, you know, the, they'll differ in, in subject and content matter, but it's all related
1: to each other. Yeah, and our land is inundated with salt because this was once a vast ocean. Like, I think they called it Lake Bonneville, <laughs> mm-hmm. right?
4: So let me just jump in here. The, yeah, um, thank you, the film series started, but Masima Film Tour, this is our second year. Lauren, mm-hmm. tell us what, I mean, I think this was always a goal of our community to have the um, film festival, but could you tell us what it meant to you personally and what your thoughts were when you started working on an actual film festival? Did you think it was gonna work? Did you think it was um, something useful?
5: Yeah, um, I, I think I don't even remember how we met uh, Tori and them at Salt Lake Film Society. I think we just kind of reached out and, and we're seeing if there were any opportunities for us to collaborate. And I don't even think we were thinking about a film festival. I think we were just trying to utilize the, the local resources that we had, but uh, Salt Lake Film Society had already been doing a number of cultural tours. I believe they have like a Czech tour and film Mexico, so... Uh, mm-hmm. Tori was really receptive to hosting one for Pacific Islanders, which, you know, I'm so grateful to her and her team, but, uh, yeah, just getting to put that together. Um, our first year was really, it was like overwhelming, but in a good way. And I feel like we had a lot of support along the way. Um, and it's not like film society, like the Broadway center cinemas, like I've been going there ever since I was in high school. So, um, mm-hmm. Uh, last year everything was online so this year we'll be able to have in-person screenings and I don't know I'm just really excited to actually go to a theater and be able to go to a film festival that we curated with our own films and stories in it.
2: Yeah, I'll give you is. some
4: back sure. history. I'll give yeah. you some back history on how, what happened. So we had done we had used for Pacific Heritage Month we had used the Ninth and Ninth Theater and um, they sent us a bill and I had some questions on it and I couldn't ever reach the person. And I kept calling saying like, I need to pay this bill, but nobody's answering my calls. Nobody's returning my calls. So one day I was doing some legislative work at the Capitol. And here comes Marcy so She sits down mm-hmm. and it was her. The, the legislative advocacy person for Sundance and me. And we are talking and I said to her, hey, we owe you some money. We owe you $200. And I've been trying to get you guys paid, paid since we did this, but nobody seems to answer the phone number that I have anymore and the person. And I explained myself and she said to me, could we take it out and trade? I said, uh sure what do you mean and she said we do these film tours and i've always thought that we needed to do a pacific island one and if you're willing and i said that is a dream come true that we would yeah. ever be able to have our own film festival and um she said uh let me take your card and here's my card and we're gonna do this And she started, she said, I'm going to go back and talk to Tori, but we have been looking for uh, adding to our film tours. And it may not be this year, but next year, I I think for sure we can do this, but I'm not the one that makes the decisions. And And I said, well, I still feel like I need to get you paid. And she said, no, we don't want your money. What we want is your engagement to help us with the film tours. So that's how, that's how it came up. And in that same conversation, it was funny because the poor person from Sundance, you know, in, in appropriations work and legislative work, they had asked for millions of dollars mm-hmm. and um, they only got a million dollars. Boo-hoo, right? And Marcy <laughs> was sitting there saying, well, we only got like enough to redo the, the, um, the screen at night, the ninth. Well, you know, we're happy that we got that. And I said to both of them, well, y'all are better off than we are in our film series. We didn't even ask for any money. And, you know, had this conversation about legislative work, film and what it looked like in our community. And they really could see there was a gap between Sundance and a gap with um, where Salt Lake Film Society was and where we were in what we were trying to do within film. And I think that that was a very interesting conversation because partnership was made that day between Marcy and I, that she took that back to Tori. And Tori loved the idea that he had been looking for another community. Um, And like, it was like a dream come true for our overall strategic plan for the film series. Uh, because there, there isn't a space like this for Pacific Islanders. And then right. you know, Lauren took, lead, yeah, with this.
1: If there is space, we share it with our, our Native American cousins and our Asian American, you know what I mean? That there's not specific yeah. for Pacific Islanders. And I love that. So in this conversation with filmmakers for the tour this year, it was all organic they they kept saying similar things and i think it's just our our people you know like our oceanic people that we have these values and morals and beliefs and if we put that with the technology of today you know we're able to make these wonderful stories and and tell our narrative lauren Tell us about what you're doing now, because I <laughs> I saw a post on your Facebook that uh, you're you're a part of this uh, filmmaker program.
5: Uh, yeah. So this uh, past weekend, I was able to go to um, LA for uh, the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, which is uh, hosted by Visual Communications, which is a nonprofit organization uh, that really. Um, exists to support the voices of Asian American and Pacific Islander filmmakers and so I was um, I'll, I'll be part of their armed with a camera fellowship for 2022-2023 and basically for the next year uh, I'll be supporting myself and uh, five other Pacific Islander filmmakers as we create our own short films and you know it's it's not so much the end product that they're, you know, focused on. They really want us to build community and really find each other in in all of these different spaces and try to build uh, more capacity for us and and lead us to resources and connections that will really uh, benefit our overall film community because it is so small. And I you know I, there were so many people there that i had seen their work online or you know they they knew they knew me or they knew of the work that we did so it was really cool to just get to meet everybody in that in that space
1: congratulations that's so exciting lauren thank
5: you
4: and loves- i was i, I was just going to say that lauren has done i mean i think the path that she's taking Um, you know, this is her second fellowship and I feel like she's an example of what other filmmakers can take. It takes one person, two people, six people to step outside and create that path to say it can work. Right. And while other Mm -hmm. people are standing back. So I'm really grateful for Lauren to being brave and being courageous to apply for these, um, fellowships. And the mm-hmm. exciting thing is next year, Kamile we are going to be in LA to watch her first film um, premiere at the Woo. film festival, the Asian Film Festival next year. So put that on your calendar.
1: Yes, definitely. Wow. What, a, what an honor to be a guest at your debut, Lauren.
4: Lauren, what would you say is some advice that you would mm-hmm. give younger filmmakers or people trying to get in this field? What would be some of the tips that you would give them?
5: Um, I I don't know because I'm still like making my way through things, but I think just finding uh, finding your people that um, that'll keep you anchored because I think they're um, it's really hard to find a, a center in you know filmmaking. Is always shown as this really isolated process. It's like you only get to see, you know, a director, a writer, and it's not really. It doesn't really include the team that it takes to create a film. So I think just finding your people and surrounding yourself with a good support system. Um, you know, these these could be anybody around you that you want to collaborate with, and just. Uh, really help you move forward and what you want to do. And it's just really important to have really good people around you. And I'm really grateful because I, <laughs> I consider like uh, PICTAR to be my, my support team. Um, they're always there pushing me throughout um, whatever whatever I'm going through. And it's just really important to have people there that can can keep you on track and help keep you accountable and then also support you when you need it. Um, and then also, I don't know, just write. It's really hard for me to write, but um, just just making yourself, uh, sticking to a schedule is, is really good. Um, yeah, that's something that I learned in my fellowship with Imaginative It's just, it's, it's really beneficial for you to set time aside to write and, and focus on, on that part of it. Because uh, you can get distracted really easily, and and things will fall to the side. But if you're consistent in your writing, it, it only it'll only help you along the way.
4: So tell can you tell us what you're working on right now? What are some of the things that you're writing?
5: Um, I'm not. <laughs> I'm still thinking about what I want to do for the fellowship. Um, thankfully, we we don't have to like stick to the the pitch that we gave. They're really letting us be flexible uh and whatever develops organically, they're they're just open to us uh switching directions if we need to. But I will say that what I submitted for the fellowship was I was going to profile uh Susie and and Piktar and um that to me just seemed really natural and also like a full circle moment because that's where I started really getting back into film after dropping out of film school and uh just focusing on like working. So that's the idea I submitted, but I'm still trying to think uh, for imaginative, I workshopped a someone horror film, so i'm I'm looking to to going back into that and uh, and seeing if you know what I can pull from that story, but I don't know I just I, I, this fellowship is really focused on community and uh yeah, I'm just like. I, I just here for the for the ride I don't even know uh, people always ask me like what are you doing what are you doing I'm like I don't know I'm just out here just going with the flow
1: <laughs> I love that like it's like being a boat on the ocean yeah <laughs> as you as you navigate your way I think you're yeah. gonna make some amazing discoveries well thank you Lauren I just want to share that uh, tickets will be available soon through the salt lake film society website you go to slfs.org forward slash massima and the tour starts on may 20th and runs to the 26th so thank you both and good luck lauren thank you thanks Hello. Thanks, Lauren and Susie. That was a great conversation we recorded earlier this week via Zoom. Can you tell the difference? Anyway, check out tonight's show notes for links to our organizations and our featured guests. And this, you are listening to the Island Wave podcast takeover of KRCL. Thank you to all of our guests, and thank you, Laura Jones, uh, community content manager, and KRCL Studios for having us. Um, coming at you now is a song by Fiji called Issa Mahalo.
0: The Living Traditions Festival is back May 20th through the 22nd at Washington and Library Square and features music and dance from around the globe. Folk art from craftsmen and artisans and multicultural dining. More info at livingtraditionsfestival.com.
1: You're listening to the Island Wave Takeover of KRCL Radioactive. This is Kamile. And Susie Felch. Mahalo. Mahalo. We are here with Diamond Langi and Hinanu Tanielu.
6: Aloha. Hello. How are you guys today?
1: <laughs> Good. So we're here talking about Sosefina, the film Sosefina by. Manu Tanielu and yourself, his wife. That's so great.
4: And you have a team. Tell us about your team that you have that put this, wrote this movie. Tell us about the history of this movie.
7: So we have a team of four. Um, We're all CEOs of the same team, Manuscript Films. And it's myself, Hinano Tanielu, my husband Manu Tanielu, and his brother Taleni Tanielu and Ali'i Tofa. So the four of us, um, Manu, Lee, and Lenny wrote it, and I directed it. We did the pre-production, production, production, and post-production, and now we finally get to show it. So we're excited. Yeah. So you told me that you recorded back in 2018 before COVID. And how was that transition for you? So we filmed it out in 2018 um, in St. George, Utah and um, went through the post-production we took it to new zealand to finish it and to show it premiered out there but unfortunately covid hit at that time so we had to come home and sit with it for a bit and we finished we did it again we we re-edited the whole thing and now we finally get to show it um, here in west valley so we're excited thank you yes so tell us when you're going to show it here in west valley and so where It'll be showing at the Megaplex Theater in West Valley Mall um, on Thursday, May 12th. Yeah, that's the Valley Fair Mall. It is, but guess what? Tickets are sold out.
1: They are. (laughs) Yes.
7: I mean, if you
4: didn't get to these tickets when they went out, they're a hot commodity in our community. And so I'm lucky that we got 10 tickets when we did. So we're excited to see it. So what happens, I mean, I want to know the history of this story? Is it a real story? Is it a, is it a story that some fiction story? Tell us about it.
7: Yeah. So this is a question we get asked a lot and it is inspired by true events that happened to my husband when he was in high school. So he was 16, he ditched school and um, they went to a strip club and at the strip club they saw a Polynesian dancer on stage. And so that was interesting itself to see that because we don't really see that in our culture And to have her come down to the audience, because she recognized them as well as being Polynesians, she shared her story with them. And so this is kind of inspired by her story. A lot of extra has been put on it just to make it enough for the big screen. But it is a true, it's inspired by a true story.
4: Wow, you know, this is right down mm-hmm. my lane, anti-violence work, right? Mm-hmm. And how, we, how trafficking works and so I'm excited to see it. I know I've heard this story and been excited uh, to see how this story rolls out and how we can use this story in our anti-violence work and more and more we're seeing more Pacific mm-hmm. Island women be involved in um, trafficking and in prostitution. I just here in Salt Lake City got a call of a young lady that was prostituting here and we were called in to do some case management services. So it's like on the cusp of our community. Um, mm-hmm. and, and how did you get Diamond to do this? Yeah,
1: Diamond, tell us about your journey as Sosefina for the film.
6: Um, I always say this and it's quite interesting. So when Hinan and her team were doing auditions, they gave me the character Queenie. So I auditioned for that and they got back to me and they said, congratulations, you, you got Queenie's role. And I was like so over the moon. Anything I, I feel, especially for a Polynesian production, just to have an involvement is is huge in itself, you know. So I was very thankful for that opportunity. Then two weeks later, they messaged me and they're like, actually, we're going to make a character switch and you, you are going to be playing a character named Malia. And I was like, OK, yay. I was like so excited. So I practiced all her lines and then came out to America we did the filming for the first day and Hinano and Manu said we actually want to talk to you about something I said okay they're like we actually feel like you are Sosefina so we already filmed for the first day and you know what for me there's an understanding that comes when you do the work field of acting is to be professional and to be prepared so when Hinano and Manu told me that I was like okay I'm ready. So that night I made sure to study Sosafina's lines and I'm just very thankful. But I also am thankful because learning those other character female lines, I really learned where I have to take it for Sosafina. But most importantly, to tell the story, you know, because as Hinano touched based on, it's based on a true story, but to really get into Sosafina's character in making sure that I became her. So then it was readable um, for people to see on screen. So, what year was that? What, when did you guys film that? 2018.
4: So, this was before you became Miss Universe.
6: This is before I came, yeah, <laughs> Miss Universe New Zealand. Right. Man.
4: And so, <laughs> so then, like, to have Miss Universe now playing this this role of, I guess she's a stripper. Um, how was that? At, I mean, like, you did that film, then you become Miss Universe, and then now, how does that? play out in your life and do people ask you
6: like you played
4: a part of a stripper in your Miss Universe? <laughs>
6: <laughs> you know like that's what's going to be so fascinating about Sofia. there's like a twist um, I don't want to say too much but I think it's that's what's going to be so exciting about watching the film but for me as a touch based on the craft of acting comes with a huge responsibility and it's to not look at that character with judgment but have that understanding of okay, I need to separate Diamond from Sosefina, and where do I need to take it to make sure Sosefina's character is is told? And for me, it's like, because I just uh, graduated from studying acting in New Zealand, I had to learn, of of course, so much of ourselves becomes the character, but our initial goal is to tell the character's story. It's not Diamond's story. It's Sosefina's story. So I had to really make sure to separate that and for those who know me, know me. But for those who understand my passion for acting, it's always forefront to make sure I tell the character's story authentically.
1: Thank you. So let's back up to Diamond's story. You are from New Zealand, but you moved here when you were young
6: to Utah, and you grew up in Glendale. Yes, I did. So I'm, I'm so happy that the premiere is here in my hometown. So when Hinano Manu them told me, I actually cried because I haven't been back here since COVID hit. So it's such a blessing in itself just to be able to travel internationally. But yes, um, I was born in New Zealand, then came here at the age of nine, spent primary junior high and high school here um, until my last year of high school, then went back to New Zealand. But for me, I've always felt like Utah has been my home. So to film a movie that was shot here in Utah, and to come back and have the premiere here is like, it's so overwhelming. But I think most importantly, it's good for our people to see representation. Yes. And, and there's so much talent here in Utah, like, oh my gosh. So I think when people watch it, and especially if they're from here, it's gonna hit home, like, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: <laughs>
4: yes, thank you. So what would it feel like to have an all Polynesian crew and an all Polynesian, I'm sure, cast. What was that mana feeling as you guys were working on this?
7: So our goal from the beginning was to have all polycasting crew to give our, our people the opportunity that we don't normally get. And so that was our big goal. And I think we reached that. We weren't able to get a whole polycast cast or crew, but um, to have the cast, to me, it was inspiring to be on set every day. We shot it two weeks Nonstop every single day, but it didn't feel like much work because every day that you go on to set was inspiring to see everybody come prepared. And like Diamond said, she had to learn three different characters and that last character was that day, the second day, she had to learn that person. And just to see her passion and everybody else's passion um, to share Polynesian stories is, is emotional. We would end the day sitting together having dinner as a family, jamming, eating, and me and Manu would sit there in the corner quietly just watching, emotional to like see our people come? parents. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was to see. And I know for Manu, it was, he wrote this out, and to see people actually coming through and performing every day and watching his words come to life watching his writing come to life is emotional and to see us sit back and watch all these people come together polynesians with the same passion um it's just yeah we would sit there and we would cry i don't think anybody ever noticed cuz we were like in the corner but we would watch just like you said like proud parents to watch it all come together and we want to do more of this give our people more opportunities because we don't really get that in hollywood and if that role is offered it's very limited and nice. it's pretty much they already got who they wanted. You know, they already have mm-hmm. it in their mind who they want. But this one, um, especially for Sosafina, we got people that are unknown actors. Not all of them, but some of them are unknown actors, first-time actors. and Our friend John Fowl. John Fowl. <laughs> amazing John Fowl. I love him. Um, yeah, but we became family. We came together as strangers and left as family. We still keep in contact with everybody that we filmed with. It's it's our first baby, and so it's emotional. Um, And I I get inspired every day by Manu just to watch his passion. And, I mean, this wouldn't be happening without him. So, yeah, truly inspiring. Yeah, I'm proud of you all. And uh, I love the story you
1: told me that you guys didn't get any degree in film. Mm -mm. You did all this on your own. You're self-taught. I think that's a wonderful example for our Pacific Island people. You You don't have to be pursuing a degree to do something.
7: Yeah, and you just never know what you're good at until you try or what you can get into, or, yeah, you just have to go out there and try, and, um, so I wasn't supposed to be the director of the film, Manu asked me, and after a little bit of arguing, I finally said yeah, (laughs) and, um, and I'm glad I did, because I didn't, I didn't know I would like it that much, and, um, to be a part of it, and, but it was, it's that, like, I didn't think I was good enough, because I didn't, didn't go to school for that, I Mm -hmm. had no experience, but, Like Manu was telling me, I have experience managing people and bossing people around. (laughs) And that's basically what it is. It comes from the same energy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's all the same, but um, I loved it. Um, None of us went to school for it. It's just a passion of ours to share stories from our people, like Diamond said. So, and it's not fictionalized. And that's what people think like, oh, you just want to glamorize the stripper life. That's not what we're doing at all. It's not about that. That's such a small portion of the story. More like humanized, right? Yeah.
1: Like they're human people and they yeah. have stories.
7: Yeah. And just because we don't like it or agree with it doesn't mean it doesn't happen in our community. And so that's what we want to do is bring more awareness to things that happen, even if they're tough to tell. So, yeah.
4: I love the fact that we are showing our people on the screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, we started the Pacific Island film series for exactly that reason. When I came here, was all of the Pacific Islanders that live here, and our kids are going and watching belonging people
7: yes. and paying
4: money for it. Mm-hmm. So we decided how can we, if we can't see something, how can we be it, yep. mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so we started our free film series once a month here, then COVID came. Um, now what's come out of it is our Masima Film Festival mm-hmm. film tour, it's mm-hmm. our second year. And we were hoping that this film was gonna be in it, but I told, I told Manu and Hinang, like, okay, your next one's gonna be in, <laughs> in, in the film festival. We've got a great lineup this year um, so tell me, what now what's your next thing for manuscript or for the film? Like, what's, what's the next move?
7: So for our team, we do have more scripts written out, already done, completed. Um, and we're excited because, again, these are stories that um, are inspired by true events. And um, for me, that's so important for a whole team is to share stories that can help other people heal. And that can bring awareness to tough topics that, you know, it's kind of hard to talk about in your homes. Um, So that's what we have. We have quite a few scripts that are ready to go. It's just the funding that stops us. But, yeah, there's a lot to come out. Well, that's what I was going to say about
4: um, film is a really good way to share examples and learning without really hitting people over the head with it, right? Mm -hmm. You can watch it. You can think with your own brain. Oh, maybe I can open up my perspectives to something else and that's yeah. what i love about mm-hmm. film. Yeah. You can teach that
1: way.
7: Yeah. And i think that's like we were talking about earlier um the whole thing with people don't want to believe that it's happening in our community and our culture because our name is our identity. So anything that we do could affect our entire family. That's right. But this does happen and um The other stories that we have that's coming out too these are things that really happen in our community that we would love to bring to the forefront and i know a lot of people have told us stick to comedy it's safer (laughs) but we're not we're not always about comedy you know there's a lot of tough things that happen behind closed doors that our families not just our families but other families as well likes to hide because it makes us look bad but shame guilt yeah. pride all, all of those that, things yeah, and of that we
1: don't know how to handle
7: right yeah. Like, yeah.
4: we
1: don't know wh- how to help our family members spend, who are going through this they should things. spend some time in my office right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so with right. some of our case managers yeah, and Susie Susie see what can they consult. see <laughs> they,
4: yeah they're uh, we like i said i just had a call for from a pacific island um, prostitute mm-hmm. that's needing she overdosed oh. and so some of my uh, people partners that we work with said Uh, We've got to call Susie because she's Pacific Islander. Let her case managers come in. Um, You know, we're just, it is something that's happening. Our violence prevention work that we've been doing throughout the United States, it is very common. I come from Texas. Mm -hmm. And, like, 20 years ago, we had girls in our community because there's not a lot of Pacific Islanders compared to here, right? So you could go to a strip club. No one's going to see you Mm -hmm. there. And they started out waitressing. Mm -hmm. Then they started dancing. Money Mm -hmm. looks good. Right. Add in some drugs and alcohol into it. And you're making lots of money. So it is I'm really, really Mm -hmm. grateful that you guys are telling the story because it is a hard story to tell.
7: Yeah. Yeah. I love what you guys said, though. I love what you guys offer to the community as well. And I think for us, things would be a lot easier. And I think we would um, if we were to come together and make it a safe place in our homes not just in the community, in our homes, make it a safe place for your children, for our children um, to openly talk about these issues. And I know in the community, especially the Polynesian community, depression, suicide, all that is, the rates are way, way, way too high. And I think we just have to think, why is it so high? Um, and for me growing up, I wasn't able to talk about my issues with my parents. They didn't have time or it just, no, you know, they didn't want to believe that. Yeah. But I think if we make our home more of a safe place to talk about things, they wouldn't have to go outside of the walls to find that healing. They can find that in the homes. And I, I think that's, it's the same with the community. There's so much that goes on, but a lot of us refuse to believe that it's true. So we're not offering that, that shoulder to cry on or advice or whatever it is. But I think if we were more open-hearted and um kinder to people in their situations, even if it's something that we don't agree with, like the stripping Mm -hmm. or the prostitution. If we were just a little bit more kinder and understanding then can imagine how much of a difference that would make in our community and how much love that the other person would feel. Um, To me, I'm just speaking from experience, you know, because I went through a lot. We went through depression. Me and my husband both tried to commit suicide more times than I would like to admit. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was because of that, because I felt like I couldn't relate to anybody. And so, well now you. you're doing it through film. Yes. Right? That's yep.
4: amazing that you're turning that around now and sharing your heart, your hard work, your efforts. I mean, I feel like sweat, blood and tears yeah. for you guys cuz mm. I've met you guys a year ago when you were just like the sound wasn't working right, you couldn't submit it last yeah. year to yep. our film festival. We were like, I don't know, how can we help you? Tori Film Society, can you help yeah. these people? But I'm really, really happy to see where you're where you've come. So Longie, how about you? What's what's up for you?
6: Yeah, I definitely wanna dive more into the space of acting, but I just wanna play different characters, you know, and I don't wanna play characters that are light because I feel like those are a lot of roles that I've been given, but characters that I feel a lot of women can relate to. And those are the type of characters who've been through different experiences and struggles and I'm and I'm up for it and I'm I can't wait for it.
1: <laughs> well congratulations on your film. I'm so excited to see it and thank you for um, the special screening. Manu's gonna hook us up, Susie.
4: <laughs> but but one one thing I did notice was I saw something online that said because this this screening is sold out, mm-hmm. right? But you guys have a way for people to go online and actually watch it yep. later on. So even though I want, I want people to hear that just because you didn't get a ticket for Thursday doesn't mean that you can't see it. They have another way that you can watch it online if you yes. want to share mm-hmm. that with us. Well,
7: we first want to thank everybody for the support. When we put it out there, we released it online. I was like, oh, I don't know if anybody's going to support us. It's been such a long time. People probably forgot about us. But we sold out in three days and we still have people hitting us up for tickets, but we don't control the ticket count. So I can't help anybody out with that. But um, since we sold out, we do have a showing in St. George that's still available. And um, after all that's done, we are going to release it online. So it'll be live events. And um, so you purchase it just like you're watching it at a theater and you have a set time to watch it. And that's under manuscriptfilms.com. So people can go on there and purchase and see what times they would like to watch it. And how much is
4: that if you want to do that?
7: Um, So I believe that one is twelve ninety nine. Oh wow, that's a deal! You might have lowered it. (laughs) So twelve
4: (laughs) nine twelve ninety nine to come watch it online. And then when are you going to like? Are we going to be able to buy a a DVD or do we do that Mm -hmm. anymore? Old school here. (laughs) Yes.
7: So not a hard copy, but it will be released um, VOD, so people will be able to go online and rent or buy. But that will be next month. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, guys. And that's
1: our show. I'm Kamile Tripp-Harris of the Island Wave podcast. Check out tonight's show notes for links to our organizations and our featured guests. Thanks to Radioactive executive producer Laura Jones for passing us the mic for the Island Wave takeover of the show. To find out more about Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month in your community, visit PIK2AR.org. And get involved, folks. Have a great night and thanks for plugging into your community with KRCL. Mahalo.